we're back. Oh, we're this week. A little munchkin was yeah. in the studio today. I'm just, I'm being a little terror terrorizer terrorizer not terrorist terrorizer. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. If you if if Casey ends up getting arrested for some kind of misdemeanor, yeah, you know he admitted it right here on the show. This this makes it hard to run for political office having this podcast. Really, you know that? No. Yeah, because. Wow. Because I am talking to a terrorist every week. Oh, and yeah, true. I, uh, and I watched The Manchurian Candidate, and I liked it, which I think it immediately uh, yeah. disqualifies, disqualifies you. you yeah. yeah, you can't get in after for a, that. For a second, I thought you were talking about like real politicians. This podcast makes it harder for I am a real politician, sir. Okay, I'm running for okay. mayor tomorrow. Of Conway? No, just mayor. Whoville? There's always a mayor in the movies. You you got to think he's, yeah, he's stronger than the president. He always seems to have more power. You know, I want that guy's job. I want to be the mayor of Jaws. Jaws. I was about to say uh, Amity. That fucker got reelected. Jaws two. Jaws two. We yeah. saw it on cable for a little bit the other day. He's still there giving speeches. <laughs> it's because they. Uh, it's because they killed the shark during his. Um, mayor, mayoracy, or however, I don't know how was that his, his mayoral tenure. His mayoral tenure. <laughs> I don't know, something like that. <laughs> Dude, uh, that that election was fucked, though. I just wanted. Oh yeah, definitely. Stress, like, I, if I could go back in time and change one thing, I would, I'd punch the mayor of Jaws. Yeah, and, and probably save a lot of lives. Right, I agree. Feed him to the shark, maybe. Um, Get vaccinated. Anyway. Yeah. What uh, did uh, you see? <laughs> I saw... Uh, what did I see? Uh, oh, um, I watched Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Ooh. Loved did, it. Like the, the show the again? Bon, no, the Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> okay, yeah. I know. I'm <laughs> okay. There is a show now, though. Do you, really? Did you know that? They're on season three. They're on season three? Yeah, they have a show on TNT. It's I based off of that. the Bong Joon-ho movie. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. I thought they were just... It was still in development. I had no idea that you hadn't seen uh, Snowpiercer before. No. Yeah, well, how'd you like time. it? I loved it. That was fucking fantastic. Yeah. That It's got that fun, like, Hunger Games, like, yeah. style shit going on. And, and B- B- Bong Joon-ho's behind the camera. Yeah. So it's, it's really great. Very cinematic. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I loved it. It was great. Um, definitely, definitely need to dive in more to Bong's uh, filmography, because um, I haven't, Regrettably, I haven't seen a whole lot of it. Um, I've mainly been on a. Every time I watch Korean cinema, I'm on a Park Chan Wook kick. Oh yeah. So I used to watch all his films, which I still I, still I need to seen see more his. of his. Yeah. I, I saw The Handmaiden on Amazon that's, Prime the other day. Yeah. I was really wanting to watch it. That was um, that's one of my list because it's on Amazon Prime. So I was like, okay, I made a list of all the films I wanted to watch on streaming services, um, and that was one of them. So that's probably gonna be my next uh, Korean venture. So Fuck yeah. yeah. Did, that. I, I remember thinking Snowpiercer was really weird the first time I watched it. I think that was my first Bong Joon-ho movie. Mm-hmm. I, I would really love to revisit it, especially oh, yeah. after Parasite. Like I'm like, oh my god, I gotta go back. I want to see yeah. The Host, too. Uh, Memories of Memories Murder. Of murder. Yeah. yeah, I want to see yeah. them all. Man. That, that one got a Criterion release. So. Fuck. Yeah. Dope, dope. He's got two movies on Criterion now. And the thing about Snowpiercer is, after watching Parasite and seeing Snowpiercer, you're just like, Parasite was like what his like you know what he'd been trying to do with uh um with snowpiercer like with like his filmography i guess and like parasite was like the amalgamation of that like he finally got it perfect but snowpiercer is so motherfucking close i swear to god it is like 
he almost had it, bro. He almost had it. Like, it's it's still a great movie. Um, and then directly after that, I dropped my disposable date. Um, I watched Thirteenth. Mm, um, the the Ava yeah Duvernay, Duvernay doc uh, uh, wow yeah I um wasn't really prepared for that like I thought I was like I need to watch this because there's probably it's probably got some info I don't know I didn't know seventy five percent of all the stuff in it and really? on top of that it also um disturbed the fuck out of me um so that was cool I guess I I rated it I didn't rate it on Letterbox because I don't want to rate something like that yeah. Because I have like some qualms with how the docu the this essence of you know the documentary like it's not just the best documentary I've seen but in terms of like information and like structure and like what is being told to you it's like it's ten out of ten um, so I just hearted it and I was like yeah it's really good yeah I really enjoyed it and learned a lot so that was cool really um, hard to be critical of um like important mm-hmm. race movies like right. i don't know like i i think that there have definitely there's definitely been like reviews that i've seen for for like different movies and shows where like you know it's like a white critic like who, who's giving it like an eight out of ten right. but like everything you read in the review is like incredible amazing incredible and it's like i get it you know like white yeah. white people like with, with good reason, feel, you know, a little bit of a hesitation critiquing that media. Right. I just am like, man, you know, is that... That's kind of racist, too, though. You know, yeah. to, to, to hold back to be like, oh, black people couldn't take it or something. Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about that the other mm-hmm. day because I was thinking about rewatching 12 Years a Slave and mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh my God, I don't want to watch it right now. Not because it's like bad. It's just right. like, I don't enjoy watching it. Like, it makes <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. like I learned a lot and, uh-huh. it, and definitely the experience is like haunting and important. It's yeah, just like, for sure. You know, I think that I wouldn't put it on my best of the year list. Not not because it's not one of the best of the year. Just like, it's not a movie that I, that I necessarily enjoy. Yeah. You know, like, it makes me miserable. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. But that's its intention, I guess. Wow, that sounded, uh, that sounded anti-12 Years a Slave. And I think this is the complication of the whole thing. Exactly, you start to to second guess what you're saying. Yeah. You don't want to, there's like, the way I see it, there's like, there's like two ways that you like, um, should inspect like, uh, movies about race. Uh, it's like. Well, actually, a perfect example, okay? Stick with me, guys. Okay, The the Birth of a Nation, right? That film yeah. is extremely important for film history, yeah. right? It's also extremely important in, you know, race theory and stuff and about, like, racism and slavery. Um, but for two different reasons. The film itself is absolutely abysmal. It's a horrible horrible fucking film mm-hmm. but it is so fucking important to look at the technical aspects of it and i think that's what um i get caught up on with like just use an example as 13th you know it's like it's not the best documentary i've seen in terms of its technicalities but like the substance in it this it is super fucking good like the information you're given you know the topic it's super well handled um and that translates over to other films like 12 years a slave it's like uh, some people, when you review a movie, I guess they don't think about the, about like, I don't know. It's like, what is the visual storytelling like with the mise-en-scene and the dialogue and the yeah. writing? You have to take that into account if you're really going to review a movie, which is why I didn't review 13th. I was just like, I'm watching this to learn, so I'm just going to heart it and move on. Um, so, yeah. 
this okay so i i definitely don't want to stray away from the main like point there about like Mm -hmm. you know movies about race and and our criticisms of them but i was thinking about you know how we critique movies in general lately because uh chris duckman which is a youtube reviewer Mm -hmm. i watch a lot he he recently decided to no longer make negative reviews of films like he's decided that he's only going to talk about film in a positive light because it's really fucking hard yeah. to make a movie. And I think that that might actually be at the center of why film criticism, you know, with these more racially charged films, especially ones from black artists, yeah. you know, it's harder to, like, want to critique them because, like, a lot of the times, like, how the hell did that movie even get made in the first place? Like, you yeah. want to applaud its existence. And that's something that I do with 12 Years a Slave is, like, it's a very important movie and I applaud its existence and... I also recognize that it's super fucked up that probably the only reason it got made is Brad Pitt like had yeah. to rise to a position of power. Like I would love if these um, if these stories from these artists of people of color were able to to fully be made, you know, in a lot easier of a, a production process and, right. and without white producers on yeah. board, you know. That would be fantastic. And then, you know, one day it's probably not going to be this year because yeah. it, but like one day, you know, film criticism from all sides could probably, you know, yeah. it, I don't know, like engulf those movies. Like, I don't want to say like it's bad that they usually avoid criticism from critics. I right. think though that it devalues those movies if you treat it like, you know, I don't know if you're treating black artists like they're kids handing you artwork for the fridge and you're yeah, like, I'm yeah. going to hang up every piece and you never examine it. Like mm-hmm. the the art of being critical of something is to understand its themes and mm-hmm. why it is the way it is. And I feel like exactly. a lot of people see racism bad and that's the only takeaway. Yeah. I think by not being critical of a movie, often we aren't able to be critical of like ourselves and our own yeah. racial beliefs. Like, I fully believe like white people are way more racist than they think they are, and mm-hmm. I think that you have to be able to like think about this media in order to come to that conclusion. Right. There we go. That point was hiding in there. <laughs> At first, it just sounded like I don't like when people don't criticize <laughs> black artists, and I like that's not the point. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. No, I get it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We uh, we talk about the hard hitting issues here, folks. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I ha- I also had something to add, uh, but it totally uh, flew away from me. I'm so well, sorry. Li- no, you're fine. I was listening to you. Um, ramble. No, nah, it's good stuff. I don't know. Well, anyway, let's. Thirteenth. Uh, Thirteenth. I gotta check it out. Yeah. Dude. I, I, you I still really haven't want. watched it. No. Oh, you need to. Really need to. Yeah. I'm I, not gonna I lie. That only Ava uh, Duvernay. 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 Yeah. Duvernay project that I've seen is Selma, which was fantastic. Right. Uh, but I really want to see. Um, the Netflix series that she did about the the, the Central Park Five. Oh, what's yeah. that called? When They See Us? Yeah, When They See yeah, Us. Yeah, I want to see that. Um, I don't think I'll catch A Wrinkle don't, in Time. Don't but, catch a but, you know, time. I, I don't think that holds nearly as much mm-hmm. importance as these no. other projects. No, absolutely not. But, yeah, 13th is super important. Um, well, crazy, crazy, crazy information handed to you uh, that is just, I was just in shock, like, many times uh, throughout the documentary. Um, because like I was going into it thinking like the way I was thinking about it, walking into it was, okay, I, I know the whole clause in the 13th amendment. Like I know like the general idea, 
But they they dive in, bro, and it goes so much like farther than you'd think, and they they present probably the best evidence like ever, um, and it's just it's great. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend that. Um, and other than that, I rewatched Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, my opinion's almost pretty much still the same. That movie. You're still pretty eh. On I'm still it. pretty eh on it, but yeah, it. I did enjoy it a little bit better this time. I will say mm-hmm. that, but um, yeah. I think it's one of those movies that it, it, it grows uh, less yeah. <laughs> on uh, me. You know, yeah. like every time I watch it, it's like this isn't even like Taika Waititi's like best, best at all, like no. at all. No, it, it definitely feels very studio, mm-hmm. very safe. But I mean, in a lot of ways, they have fun with it. But like, right. I don't know. The 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 more watches, the more I'm like, yep, this was definitely some setup yeah. for for Infinity War. And I mean. As fun as like Kate Blanchett was as the villain and like mm. some of the concepts they whipped out at the end, like it's just, it's pretty good, yeah. you know. And that it's like Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. probably did it better, you know, right, exactly. <laughs> the, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> um, your hot take that I, I saw was received pretty well on Twitter. People yeah, are, are, are I was coming surprised. to your Guardians of the Galaxy too. Thank you, loving. Thank you, twi- thank you, our our viewers for coming to my. Coming to my defense on that. Oh, on that this week take. they're gonna fucking rip you up. Bro. Oh, I know, I know. I know. You, know you're you're about to it. take the biggest, fattest L. But before we get there, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about some other things I watched, or, or we'll talk about the. Oh my gosh! Sorry, this has this poor. They're barking at a, a probably a neighbor walking out. These poor dogs, man. They got. They really. I usually have to. You know what? Um, actually, I don't know. Never mind. No. Oh, go ahead. I was about to say, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave this in. I've edited out every single time. But I was like, no, I'm just going to edit it out like every other time. Man. Um, uh, you've been doing good at that. Yeah. Right? Okay, sorry. <laughs> and we're back. Um, I watched some movies, too. Yes. Before we get to your big fat L, we'll talk about um, Adaptation. Oh, I watched it, finally. I, I really enjoyed Adaptation, good, man. Good. Like, it was, it was meta- uh-huh. But not to the point of being like super annoying, which I think that when you first start it and you realize that Charlie Kaufman has inserted himself into his own movie, it's like, mm-hmm. oh God, this is going to be like absurdly like pretentious. Yeah. But, I mean, it is, I mm-hmm. think. Like, it is pretty pretentious, but at the same time, it's like, no, I'm totally on board with what you're doing here because it's, right. it's picking apart like the whole essence of like storytelling and adaptation yeah Yeah. like i i just started reading the 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 book book. that you lent me to narrative theory and adaptation i'm not very far yet so Mm -hmm. he hasn't even approached how like (laughs) yeah uh adaptation handles it but like i thought it was so fucking clever like absolutely like he was on to something there and i think it's funny as hell too mm -hmm. the entire movie yeah i mean oh my god just thinking about the logistics of having the author of The Orchid Thief, Susan Orlean, like, sign on to this movie, knowing how she's going to be portrayed is incredible. But then at the same time, everyone's portrayed, like, not all that well. Like, Charlie Kaufman has himself masturbating in the movie and being shown up by a fictional brother, you know, and and you have Robert McKee, like, be kind of an asshole, which maybe he is in real life. I I have no idea. I love his books, though. I've read two of his books. (laughs) He's, He's awesome. But Brian Cox, yeah, is amazing in that role. Like, and, and Chris Cooper, it, like, that's the funny thing about this movie is, like, although it's not a full-on adaptation, the parts that are adaptations are, like, really good. Like, yeah. John LaRoche is, like, an incredibly compelling character. And I see why Susan Orlean says, like, oh, 
you know, even though it's what it is, I mm-hmm. love it because it represents the themes of my book, yeah. like, extremely well, and it's very concise in that way, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I gave it, like, a four and a half out of five on, on Letterbox because I... There were some times where I was like, okay, we're going a, bit, a little bit overboard with this, Charlie Kaufman. I feel like I usually don't feel like that with his projects. Like, you know, Eternal mm-hmm. Sunshine, I think, is a much stronger yeah, showing from him. For sure. And also Anomalisa. I, I still need to see Being John Malkovich because I, I feel too. like that would be a good yeah. starting point for him. But I, I skipped it. Well, I didn't have access to it. And I right. just got thrown into something else. No, Eternal Sunshine actually is probably the best starting point for him like i feel like it's i feel accessible like that's what every film student starts off watching mm-hmm. when they for dip their toe into like uh higher concept cinema that your mm-hmm. like professors would show you because that's what i was shown was eternal sunshine and i was like whoa wow okay this yeah. is cool <laughs> so yeah love that movie I also watched a movie I'd never seen before. Have you ever seen The Village by M. Night Shyamalan? No, I haven't. I'm horrible. I'm a horrible Shyamalan fan. There's still several of his movies I haven't seen. But. Hey, that's okay, man. I I just had always heard this one is where it went downhill. That's for same. Him. Like, there's a lot of discourse about The Village. I don't. I don't get why people say that though. Yeah. Having seen it, like. For one, it's like one of the most beautifully shot M. Night Shyamalan movies. Maybe the best shot one, mm-hmm. because Roger Deakins did the okay, cinematography. Yeah. So you know what you're getting into, and right. it's like incredible. But like, even for Roger Deakins, this might be better than like his average movie. Like, It's beautiful. Every <laughs> yeah. frame of painting kind of shit. Um, so Ozu vibes. <sighs> it's wonderful. Yeah, I, 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 love, I love the colors in this movie, mm-hmm. especially like there's these like yellow like raincoats that they wear at night Mm. and it's oh my god the way he frames the shit excuse me incredible um i and i think from a production design and a performance aspect also great i think that my only issues with the village really which i do have a bit of issues with it is is with its plot i think in the first half it's a lot better, and, mm. you know, like, M. Night Shyamalan is, is incredible at, like, setting up mysteries, yeah, and, yeah. and he has some t- twists and turns in the plot that I didn't see coming, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, that's great, but then you get to, like, the fact that he usually has to have a pretty big twist, Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, we, we called it in the middle of the movie, uh, Ken, Ken and I, and... Um, yeah, it was exactly what we thought it was, yeah. and it just took so long to get there in the movie, and then also when you think about the logic of some of the things, you're like, I don't really get how this yeah. is what we got out of that. Yeah. I, I do think, I can't really talk about it without spoiling it, yeah. but like I do think there's an interesting idea behind the twist, and I therefore I really respect this movie, because unlike other Shyamalan movies, I think it it actually has something to say right it in its muddiness it's themes, you know yeah. and it, it it's muddled for sure and mm. it's it's definitely falls victim to like m night Shyamalan's like pretty clunky expository dialogue sometime but i'd really recommend this actually like if you're if you're anything of a Shyamalan fan even if you don't like a lot of his movies like check this one out you gotcha. know like i i think it gets a bad rap and uh i don't see why you know gotcha it's pretty decent I'll ch- I'll check it out then definitely because that was gonna be the next one I watched because that's the one I've seen the most discourse on, is the village. Um, Lady I, in the Water is the worst one that I've seen. I, I still haven't yeah. seen the happening, but 
I think you might, your opinion might change on that. I've heard like several people, there's still, Lady in the Water saw a cult following, but I don't know anybody that likes The Happening. Like, I don't know anybody who will defend that movie. So, uh. No, I, I have friends who, who say Lady in the Water is the best one. And like, I completely respect their opinion and I could see, you know, what they enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. For me, it, it feels self-indulgent and pretentious and like often like humorous but like i don't know like i i i can see like with each of these movies why they might have like a fan base you know right. and it's, it's it's what's happening with old right now it just Shyamalan's a very divisive director like you have people in the camp that old is good and people yeah. in the camp that old is bad and this happens with like every release yeah i think that's why i love his movies so much mm-hmm. that's why i love talking about Shyamalan because he obviously knows what he's doing. He obviously knows how to make a movie. He's established that. Um, so it's just interesting to see that like people started to like you know hate his movies, but at the same time there was still like this little cult following that was still like no, they're they're still good. Like we like we like these movies. Uh, that's that's uh, I don't know. I'm more in the camp as like okay. Sometimes he makes really good movies. I enjoy watching all of his movies. I enjoy just you know basically experiencing them but i want to say you know half of them are good half of them are shite um the visit is one that i particularly i i find that that twist would have been so good if it was just thought out a little bit better i think because like by the end of it you know you immediately start asking questions about the logistics of that you know and it's like ah it's like yeah man that would have been really cool but like this makes no fucking sense no that that one was (laughs) good for the theaters not so good when you left it was like start picking it apart even a little bit and like and no what the actual fuck yeah um also uh i i want to redact my my earlier statement where I said that Lady in the Water is the worst one. Lady in the Water is like a two out of five, <laughs> and the Last Airbender is oh, like a zero yeah, out I of forgot. five. Yeah, it's kind of hard to remember because it's like it doesn't feel like an M Night Shyamalan no, movie, it and it doesn't feel like it should exist. Right. So it's like very easy to just erase just that. Erase but I mean, it. very clearly the yeah. worst one. Like, very clearly. Yeah. I'm, I, w- I'm willing to forgive him for that and just ignore it, that it doesn't exist. I Well, I just don't want to dunk on a movie that might have some credence and fans. And yeah. I just want to throw Last Airbender on the best because it's unloved by yeah, everyone. Like, that's yeah. the one movie where we're all united. You yeah, know, exactly. Like, <laughs> and maybe After Earth people aren't fans of i never saw it i saw a bunch of five star reviews of after earth i'm not gonna lie really yeah i was on letterbox the other day whoa whoa. he he was on a letterbox craze i was hey speaking of being on the wrong side of history (laughs) fuck you hey (laughs) you know the nazis stalin um casey on his green knight of casey on his green knight opinion let's get into it we saw the green knight this week we saw the green Um, knight casey what What'd you think of uh, the the latest from A twenty four and David Lowry? Okay, all right, guys. Now, spoiler free right spoiler now. Spoiler free, absolutely spoiler free. Um, we'll we'll talk a little bit of spoilers uh, later. Um, you know, um, so when it first started, that very first sequence, I was thinking, you know, okay, cool, very cool. Then we got to the first real shot of the film with the uh, the farm animals and there's like a building burning in the background. And I thought, okay, okay, like that is like, 
every time it cut back to that shot, I kept noticing new things. I was like, this is a perfectly, perfectly composed shot. And I thought, if the cinematography is this good all the way, let, let's go. Um, and about, I'd say probably about 35 minutes, 40 minutes of the way through, I was with it, it the story, everything was introduced, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then the score started to get to me a little bit. Um, now admittedly, when it score first started, I thought, wow, this sounds great. This, okay, and I just want to say, first of all, sound editing, sound mixing in this film, top fucking notch. I have not been in a theater where the sound has been this fucking good in a film before. Did that completely right. But then the score started to get on my nerves. And I'm not saying it bought, like it got on my fucking nerves. And I thought, okay. So, and then I keep watching. Cinematography's still good. Then the story just starts to make no fucking sense for me. Like, it made sense in terms of, like, I could follow it, but the character's actions, like, what we, what we were even doing in, in some places, some decisions we were making, started to just absolutely rack my brain, and I thought, this is super weird, maybe the, maybe the ending, I thought, maybe the last 20 minutes will tie everything together, it'll make sense. Last 20 minutes did absolutely none of that for me, uh, and then the film ended with the, probably the worst title card for this movie that I could you could ever fucking imagine. They totally, like, it was such an A24 thing to do, and I thought, oh my god. And so it ends, and uh, the I went home, and I read about the Arth actual Arthurian, the chival chival I don't know how to say that, chival chivalric romance is what it, the genre mm, of the story mm. is called. So I read the original story, and I thought, okay, that... Pretty good adaptation, I think, um, from this original story. Uh, and then I just kept thinking about it, and I put off like putting my review on Letterbox, and I was like, and I list, even listened to the score again, and it's I was like, you know what? No, like, bam, two and a half out of five stars. Uh, I did not like, I did not uh, love it. I'm not gonna say I hated it or anything. Like it was, it was pretty good, um, but a lot of things bugged me about it, and it really seemed pretentious as hell to me like super pretentious and i thought this is probably the most pretentious thing a24 has done like i i will like watch all their other shit and forgive like anything like but this just does not feel genuine to me whatsoever um and then i can't i really can't say anymore without getting into spoilers pertaining to the story what my main gripes are but just like the story is really what killed it for me yeah. Uh, the more with characters. So anyway, that's what that's my piece. What what did you think about it? Yeah, spoiler free. I think this movie is going to be like a classic. Um, I think that uh, like bolstered by a a pretty open ended story, and I think it's an experience where the audience members definitely get out of it what they um, you know what they want to uh, interpret. You know what right. they what they what they feel. I think is a consequence of like what they think during watching it and I think that it's not a movie that holds your hand. I don't, I'm not saying that that's your issue with the movie, but I do think that in terms of like the, the story uh, structure and some of the events that happen, like I, I definitely think it's more of an experience rather than a plot driven narrative. I really loved it. Well, mm -hmm. I would love to talk spoilers though because I, okay. I, I, I would like to hear what you have to say and then you know I could maybe speak a This is definitely a movie where it's hard to be vague about. Like, oh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely like you you got to get into spoilers, whether you like yeah. it or hate it, you know, or I mean dislike it. Right. Or or not so impressed by it. <laughs> yeah, not, I would say not so impressed. Really, yeah. Okay. Uh, we're getting into the spoilers now. I'll put the time code. Uh, skip to this time code. One hour and 35 seconds. 
if you don't want to hear spoilers. And we're going to get into it in three, two, one. Um, yeah, where to begin? Um, so I want to I want to ask something right off the bat. Okay. What do you think the title is referring to when it says the Green Knight? Do you think it's Ralph Ineson's magical like tree knight, um, or do you think that it might have another meaning? Uh, it might be a double meaning, but like I just assumed it was the Ralph Ineson's actual Green Knight. So. When you call a soldier green, it means, like, they're inexperienced and they don't know anything about warfare oh. or what it means to be, in this instance, gotcha. a knight. So, I, I think that a lot of people's expectations were preyed upon because the green knight isn't this guy that comes to King Arthur's court and is like, chop off my head. It's the mm-hmm. fucking idiot who decides that his honor is going to be by doing something really grandiose yeah, in a bunch yeah. of people that he, in front of a bunch of people that he's trying to impress. Right. It's Dev Patel. It's it's Sir Gwen. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's why I really like about the start of the movie too is that they waste no time setting up like that this is not a a, a very um chivalrous character or someone mm-hmm. who has very much renown to their name. Like he goes to King Arthur's court and something that I love about this movie too is that you you don't get names here. Like, it's not dependent on the fact that it's an adaptation of yeah. Arthurian legend. Like, they could have really leaned heavily into that. Like, Uncle Arthur, what? Give me thine sword so yeah. I might do well by you. Like You just it, knew it was King Arthur when he came on screen, which is what I thought but was yeah, so cool. If, if you know the story, but if, you, right. if you're blind, like, honestly, it's totally fine to just accept that there's a king character... Who has yeah, lofty yeah. expectations of his nephew. Mm-hmm. And, like, you get that instantly. Like, he comes to the court on, on Christmas. Uh, I mean, from his whorehouse uh, sleepover. Yeah. And he literally has nothing to tell King Arthur. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, give me, like, one tale of your chivalry. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, no, it's fine, bro. You'll, you'll get there one yeah. day. And, like, literally that same day, it's just like, well, why not grab the opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, uh, what, do you, what do you think of the mom being, I think that's like, the stupidest part of the movie. That's oh, what kills it man. for me. Because it makes no sense. Like, and maybe, maybe you can enlighten me. Like, I'm not, just, I'm not trying to trash this movie. I really want answers here. The, to me, the way I saw it, the mom character makes no fucking sense. So she conjures this, this game up for her son. I'm assuming. Why? Because the, the movie didn't give us any pretense that she wanted to actually kill King Arthur, her own you know, brother and, and whatnot. Um, but uh, it's just like she sends this here, right? And then he, he foolishly, you know, cuts off his head. And he's like, all right, one year and rides off. Super cool sequence, by the way. Yeah. Um, no, and, and I mean, you got to admit, like the yeah. editing between the mom doing her Do, shit yes. and the... Green Knight, terrifying. Coming. Like that, yeah. that fucking freaked me out. Yeah, you know? no, it was. It, yeah, it was super well done, super freaky. Um, but and then she, um, she's when he when a year later when he actually goes on the quest, she she brandishes him with this the sash that he wears. That if, as long as he wears it, no harm will come to him. Um, and my line of thinking is, why the fuck, why the fuck would she do this? Um, because if she hated her son. I could understand, but the movie didn't give us any semblance of that. So I thought, okay, she's doing it to help her son. She's doing it to bring some fucking um, 
you know, let him learn something by going on this quest because that's what most like Arthurian tales are. Like. A knight goes on a quest and he learns something. And so she's like, okay, you cut off his head. Uh, here's You won't die now since he has to cut off your head. And then by the end of the movie, he, he takes that off uh, to accept, you know, his fate. Um, and I just, it just doesn't make any sense. And then, and then you're supposed to assume that the talking fox is the mother. Maybe. Uh, may, well, every time somebody like talks with that like deep voice, I yeah. assumed it was yeah. the mother. Yeah, that's what I that's yeah. what I interpreted too. So I just wanted to say maybe. Yeah, it's maybe. another one of those it elements is. that's yeah. like up in the air for sure. Um, so how I interpret it is that every time you hear that deep, you know, demonic sounding yeah. voice, it's the mother, and the fox uh, who's pretty much with him all the way. Once he gets to the green chapel, uh, the fox stops and tells him, you know, to go home basically. And I thought that is so weird so like the mother has him go on this entire journey then to tell him to go home right there i i don't know like i don't know what her motive in all of this is i don't know if she's just a shitty mother if she didn't think it all the way through um i, I don't know because even even sir guywin's or gaywin's uh in like decisions in this film just felt so odd and especially when you get to the green chapel sequence at the end uh, where his basically his life in the future flashes before his eyes and we see him become a king and we see that he has learned nothing on this entire adventure uh, in his reign as king. He's really shitty to the to the prostitute that he got pregnant. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, his son dies. Sleeps her under the rug. You know, yeah. Son dies in a war that Camelot ends up losing. And then, exactly. I mean, he himself is in his throne room and... You know, everything's gone to him, yeah. and he, yeah, he rips the, rips sash, the off. sash off. And so oh. I, I thought, okay, um, so he's learned, he, he, he's learned nothing. So his response to that is to take the sash off and say, okay, just fucking kill me, because I was never going to learn anything anyway. And to me, that is so infuriating, because in the original tale, which again, I know it's an adaptation, just saying uh, from point of reference, the original tale... The actual Green Knight uh, was the uh, the the man in the castle that he had spoke to earlier, who he had, st- had stayed with. It turns out to be him, and he was like, "Ah, it's a, it's a ruse. It's a yada yada yada." And there's like a whole lesson there uh, that is forfeited in this adaptation for just him saying, "Like, good job. Now I'm gonna fucking kill you." And it just made no sense to me. Um, mm. Just the decisions leading up to that and everything. I don't know. But how do you how do you interpret? That right? What's your wait? You think that the Green Knight's gonna kill him when the when the credits roll? Well, he did his finger over his neck and said, "Now off with your head." I it was assumed... it was like, okay, hold on. That's that's like playful. Like he scratches his neck a little bit where he got decapitated, and he's like, uh-huh. "Okay, now we're even." That's what he's saying. He's like, "Go on. Like you learned your lesson. Go." Like, off with your head is, like, a joke. That's why he's, like, saying it like that, too. It's like, now off with your head. So, like, happy ending right off the bat. He's going home. And he's actually learned something. The thing is, with the sash and with him, it's like, up to a certain point, he is just being handed the chivalry and the honor that he wants. And he has no idea what to do with it. Like, the the situation changes from him you know, a boy with nothing to his name, to him being a celebrity in the in an instant when he chops off the Green Knight's head. Like, he's won his glory that he's always won. His mother has essentially given him the greatest gift of all. 
here's your honor. Here's your, your, your tale, your legend. You have it here now. Just hands it to him. And so what he ends up doing with that is nothing. A year goes by and he just sits waiting for, you know, yeah. like, oh shit, I guess we got to get even. Like, I, he's completely out of his element. And you can tell when he goes on the road, he has no kind of like good intentions in his mind in terms of like actually being a knight, like a real knight, you know, or a chivalrous person anyway, is supposed to be, a, you know, a friend to the common people, you know, uh, supposed to have a bit of honor about them. There's like those children on the road that are running after him. He completely ignores them. He keeps yeah. like walking. You know, they call to him for a long time. It's a prolonged shot. Yeah, too. yeah. It it's like long. really long, which I, that's one of my favorite shots of the movie is just yeah. him on the horse walking. Then there's like that shepherd, you know, walking his sheep and he's like, oh, be wary out there. And he's like, he fucking ignores him too. Yeah. I mean, if he had engaged with any of those people, one, you know, helping helping folks being selfless something that's actually a tribute of being a good knight there done Mm -hmm. two listening to the shepherd like oh shit if i'm not careful out there i could get like robbed or something (laughs) and and what happens when he doesn't give that robber like any credence like he doesn't he doesn't even think to pay him he's like and that's what knights do, you know. They they they're selfless. They give to others, and they it's kind of like a, a beneficial, uh, you know, a mutual benefit situation where you know the the citizens are paid mm-hmm. and the knight is led on his way. He doesn't even think to offer this guy a fucking single coin. The guy's like, "Do you have my thanks?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, I guess." So I mean, he has it coming at that point, and that's how you're supposed to feel. I think is like he has it coming when he gets robbed yeah. and beaten. And, and something that I love about this movie is that at no point do they beat you over the head with what he's thinking. Like, you have that brilliant nightmare sequence where he imagines himself tied up forever, d- rotting until he's nothing but a mm-hmm. skeleton. And then the, the way that it's revealed that it's a mm-hmm. dream sequence is that it just twists back around and, like, boom, there he is still laying there. And he, uh, and he takes action. And I think that what I love about you know, episodic tales like this, especially Arthurian legends, is that each adventure, each, like, mini-episode, like, has Mm -hmm. its own, like, moment of, like, uh, of of selfless, like, resolution and of of, of gallantry and, and, um, you know, finding the right answer. Like, later on, you know, there's the Lord and his wife, who is played by the same actress as his whore girlfriend back home, Alicia. I, mean, I, I, I yeah. thought, I might yeah. have thought they were played because they looked super familiar. Which I think is a very interesting, like, artistic choice for mm-hmm. this movie because obviously they're different characters. Yeah. But, like, the implications about what he's feeling, like, it, it's mm-hmm. doubly so, like, oh, reminded of home and, and, and very tempted. But, like, in that situation, you know, the Lord's like, uh, if you, I'll bring back the biggest game I win if it, and you have however many however much time I'm giving you to, to find the the greatest prize in the castle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he fails that test, too, because he's just got the sash tied around him. The, I mean, he gets handed the sash again, which he had been doing so well before yeah. he fell back on that. And then, you know, he fails to, to like, not defile this lord's lady mm-hmm. or anything. And then he runs off to the lord, and that's when you realize, like, oh... He's completely, like, out of his element again. He's come across someone who's actually chivalrous, this lord. And the lord does something selfless. 
he just gives him a little smooch, <laughs> you know, because because he knows that the greatest prize in the castle was his wife. He completely anticipated this of um, Dev Patel's character. And I think that's something that's very interesting about the whole course of the movie is that he's given so many second chances. Like, that's the thing is there are people who are rooting for him. There are genuine, there are genuinely selfless people. Like King Arthur mm-hmm. is completely selfless, gives him Excalibur to do the deed. Like his sacred sword is no, is in no way selfish about it. That Lord gives him his wife, the, the lady whose head needs to be found, you know, she hands him, um, the ax again. She goes and retrieves it for him. Like everyone that he has a lesson to learn from, you know, exchanges a gift with him. And so the green Knight's gift, I think is, you know, the gift of, uh, of selflessness, of, of, of chivalry, of being a true knight. Because when he gets there, the mom, the fox, her plan is like, he's not actually supposed to go and get his head cut off. Like, mm. she fully just was handing him the situation. He needed to travel that far mm-hmm. because he needed to be seen by the Lord, you know, and, and, and do that part. And then, yeah run on home like who's gonna know the difference like Mm -hmm. no one's gonna go looking for the green knight or anything and and ask like oh you know did you guys like get even or anything right uh and he he passes the test with the fox he's like okay i'll keep going but then yeah he's fully ready to fail because he he can't commit to it like he asks is this all there is because he can't believe that that's all there is to being a legend you know it's like if this is what being a knight is, like potentially putting yourself uh, in a spot where you could be killed, where you have to give over everything, mm-hmm. I don't want any part of it. And they show you what a what living a life with that mindset looks like. And up until that point, you know, I think you're headed for a bad ending. And then boom, yeah, he fit, he passes the test finally. Like without the help of another, he's like, hold on, bro. Let me take off the sash. Yeah. And then the Green Knight is pleased. And he's like, well, there you go. You've done totally. it. You're, you're so brave. And he, and he does the little uh, throat motion. Mm-hmm. And he's like, off with your head. But he's not going to kill him. He's sending him on his way. Totally. I totally was convinced that he was going to kill him. No. And I think. Probably still am. I, I, can, I see issues mm-hmm. with like, you know, ending the tale before, you know, the Green Knight could reveal himself to be the Lord played mm-hmm. by Joel Edgerton. But I, I think that you have to, like, pick a spot where you end because, like, the myth of, like, King Arthur and his and his uh, knights and his whole court, I mean, that's a very extensive legend. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, I, I mean, you could have jumped in at any point, uh-huh. like, the retrieval of Excalibur from the lake or when Lancelot besieges, like, Camelot mm-hmm. and, and, and has had an affair with Arthur's wife, like... That's the thing is when you're adapting these legends, you you got to know when to stop. And I I think they picked the perfectly fine endpoint because yeah. at that point in the original story, Sir Gawain has learned his yeah. lesson and he and he's ready to return to the Round Table a true knight. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I liked it. I can see why you didn't like mm-hmm. love it. You know, mm-hmm. but for me, everything about this film worked in its favor. Just the high fantasy, the low mm-hmm. fantasy, like the fact that everything's open to interpretation. Like, I don't think the giants are real. I think he's tripping on shrooms, man. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. probably the most fucking, like, it was a sight to behold watching that sequence. 
But like after it was over, I was thinking about it. Like after just the sequence was over, I thought, man, there's no way that was fucking real. Like what is happening in this movie? Like he's he's definitely tripping balls right now. Uh, also, he ate shrooms in yeah. the movie and then threw up, so that was probably um, a big thing. But. but I love that that's a way to prey on like what he's fearing too. Like my interpretation is like, you know, he feels like he is walking amongst giants at this point. Like everyone mm-hmm. he meets has some. Or not the common folk, obviously, but yeah. like everyone back at court is is so much larger than life, and he feels like completely out of his element. Like, mm-hmm. who is he to walk amongst them? And he doesn't end up accepting right. like a ride. You know, he's like, I guess yeah. I got to do this on my own. And then that sequence ends, and yeah, it's back in the woods and it's raining, and so that's what made me think, oh, this isn't real because he's like starving to death right yeah. now, and he's not well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can, I can see, um, where the, the story, yeah, like, now that you, like, you know, talk about that, I can see that makes a little bit more sense, um, and I can definitely forgive that, uh, and, like, probably on a second watch, understand it a little bit more, because it's a super subtle movie, um, just one thing I just can't ignore or, or give a pass to is just the, the pretentiousness of the filmmaking, because you mentioned the, the shot where it, it pans, it basically does a circle when he imagines being like a skeleton. What makes that pretentious? It's just it feel it feels over super overindulgent to me. So like the the way the the the, kit, the movie's shot, albeit very shot very good, the, the just some of the choices he makes, it, it takes a full minute and a half to show us that particular shot, and I just felt like. It just wasn't like it didn't do anything for me, you know. Mm. It's like okay, I get the point, and then and it just it, it like kind of drones on that. Also, don't really understand the fucking um, when he retrieves the skull from the la- the head lady's head. He he tells her he's like, "What do I get in return?" She's like, "Why would you ask me that?" I was like, "That's well, funny because like you know he just went through yeah. his last encounter when it was something like that, uh, and then he retrieves it for, uh, and then it turns out she did give him something in return. She gave him the axe." And in my mind, I thought, why in the fuck would she do that? Especially when he would say something like that to her. Um, just, like, I don't know. And especially that the... I, I don't know, man. Like, it's just so many things bother me about it. Like, I'm just not fully comprehending this character, I guess. And on top of that, the the, the score and, and most some of the camera, like, movements and, and things that they chose to do just felt overindulgent. And I, I couldn't get past it. Uh, which is weird because, like, you know, we see that shit all the time in other movies. Like, I think Midsummer is actually yeah. one of those movies that's pretty, you know, like, artsy and, and, like, with its, with its you know, visual storytelling. You can make a case, like, he's being a little bit pretentious. But somehow I can get past Midsummer, and, and th- But this just was, like, so in my face. And I thought, man, like, I don't know. I think I would enjoy this, you know, 20 times more if it would just admit, you know, what it's trying to do instead of... Um, trying to convince its audience it's you know larger than life um i don't know i well i think that you're just i don't know i, I feel like you're just you're just wrong the, no <laughs> you're just looking at it with the wrong viewpoint like i i mm-hmm. really think that you know his, his intention in making that shot as long as it is with the with the with the turnaround mm-hmm. is is not to make people think like oh i'm being pretentious or to like drive home no i'm point. not it's saying, to give you yeah. I don't know. It's to give you time to think. Yeah. Like it, it, this is what I took issue with when I watched the the movie Stalker by mm-hmm. um, Tarkovsky. It's like 
all of those shots are so fucking long. Yeah. And a lot of them have no relevance whatsoever to the story. Right. But, you know, it's an experience that you kind of have to be on board with because mm-hmm. it, it challenges you to actually think about what you're thinking, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I always love that in a movie when they can do it well, anyway, in an exciting mm-hmm. way. And I think that this movie has plenty of, like, grounded real action that yeah. you can enjoy something in in the moments where you're not supposed to be meditating. But I think it's a way of checking in with the audience. It's like, what what do you feel? What are you thinking? What mm-hmm. what does this make you believe? Like it's it's going to you instead of handing you the answers. Right. Yeah. Like and I, I admire that. Like Yeah, I can a, appreciate a shit that ton. For sure. I just I don't think that's pretentious to find a new way to like convey thoughts and feelings to the audience because mm-hmm. You know, very easily, there could have been voiceover in this movie. Dev Patel could have spelled <laughs> yeah. it out for us. Like, that would have been awful. awful. Oh, blimey. I'm, I'm going to rot to death oh, here. Oh, tied up in the forest. I'm tied up in the forest, you know, I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. I can understand. I just... The, the thing with comparing it to... Um, which you brought Stalker and pretty much all of Tarkovsky's movies are super meditative throughout the entire yeah. thing. With the Green Knight, I feel like we get sequences where we're moving right along and there's not a whole lot of time to think. And then randomly we'll have these little spurts of like, you know, two to three minutes where he's like, okay, think about this. And I'm like, this is not really a point where I want to be thinking about this. Like we just, we just hopped off of this. um, For example, the, the, when he's tied up, we just hopped off of the super intense scene where uh he's getting robbed and then there's like we'll do your mission for you and he takes the axe and they all run off uh and and i mean it's almost instantaneously you know we get the we we turn around and then we do like a full 360 and i just thought i was like man totally like halted the momentum of of that scene right there um or just halted the momentum of the the story And, and it does that a few times uh and i really it, ki- it killed me while I was watching it because I-, I think it was just like the movie has I'm not going to say it's tonally imbalanced it's definitely the tone it-, it has a pretty consistent tone but something about it feels imbalanced to me uh, I maybe if I watch it again I can put my t- my finger on it and be able to explain it more uh, I don't know what the word is but more explicitly I guess yeah you know your arguments might have a little bit more cohesion I, yeah. right now it feels like you need a second watching. I definitely just need like, a second watching. A lot of these things I feel like could be either dismissed or strengthened mm-hmm. by, by a second watch. Like, I don't know if you know it's coming. Like, that right. changes completely how you're going to go into that mm-hmm. scene, like, thinking. I definitely want to watch the movie again to solidify my opinion. Right now, I, I, I'm definitely, like, leaning towards, like, greatness. Like, mm-hmm. I think... Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of expected this from this director. Like, having seen yeah. Ghost Story... You know, that that whole film is just, like, minimal dialogue. Like, hardly any story. It's just, like, how do you feel about all the things happening? And then the occasional monologue uh, will happen. Um, And that's something that I loved about this movie is there was, you know, a good balance, in Mm -hmm. my opinion, between the two. Like, he did, like, the high fantasy action so well, and it was so gorgeous and amazing. And then at the same time, you know, he kind of... Uh, got down to the more humanist aspects of it. Like I think that there are some really brilliant moments too that just go on for yeah. like a while, you know. And it's not all silent. Like I think that right. moment where the the Lord's uh, wife 
is monologuing about like the color green will kind of overtake all yeah and, like, like civilization monologue. ends and like when man um dies you know mm-hmm. the, the grass will grow in its place and i mean like it, it's just like it's all very complimentary of his journey i feel like you know mm-hmm. this is a man who has to face his mortality from the moment that he chooses to act yeah. and so of course he's going to go on an adventure and mm-hmm. things are going to happen to him but at the same time it's a very introspective movie like i think that's what makes it such a character study is like not only is the character thinking about his actions and his mortality but the mm-hmm. audience is made to think oh about those exact same things and yeah. i think that's why i love that first sequence where you turn the camera around mm-hmm. and it goes on for a while it's like i was just in my fucking shoes for a while you know mm-hmm. i was like oh my god yeah one day one day I'll die. I'll probably be bones one day, yeah. you know? Like, I, I don't know where I'm going to be dead at. Like, hopefully, you know, I'll be in a coffin, maybe. Yeah. But who's to say that I'll die so glamorously? Like, right. maybe maybe the world ends one day and, like, a meteorite hits us and I'm going to be in my fucking car, like, holding the steering wheel. And that's yeah. what my skeleton looks like. That See, that's the thing is, like, I engaged with my own thoughts and I, I kind of liked that the movie made me do that and it ended up complimenting the film and mm-hmm. i think that maybe if you keep a more open mind you mm-hmm. might get more enjoyment out of it but i don't know maybe it just will yeah. ring pretentious always <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely because i mean i don't really have um i can't say too much about the director i've only seen one of his other films which i happen to love which, which is one? the old man and the gun oh i haven't seen that yet. um yeah, i, I love that either. movie it's uh, it was um What's that guy's name? Robert Redford. Robert Redford. It's it's la- It was his last performance uh, in a film, or if he's done one since then, he made. He said he was retiring with that movie, and I really fucking love that movie. Um, so like, go knowing that, but also knowing that he did a ghost story, which I haven't, admittedly, haven't watched yet. But knowing that, and knowing he did Pete's Dragon, and I've seen the Old Man and the Gun, I thought, okay, going into the Green Knight, was totally thrown off because I thought this is not at all what I thought. You know, this director would be doing. Uh, specifically um so yeah a guy from texas adapts king arthur with yeah. mostly british actors like kind of <laughs> yeah bizarre well yeah and it's, it's just this other like you know i don't know it's he's never done the closest thing to fantasy he's done was pete's, pete's dragon, dragon. And yeah that's a disney studio movie and i thought uh, I, I don't know maybe uh maybe he's actually really into like medieval or like you know high fantasy stuff um which apparently he really is by watching the movie um but i just start off by that uh, a little bit once I, I did i did get past that and just in the first bit of the movie i thought okay so he's doing something totally new here um which is fine i just need to rewatch it really and, and maybe i'll get some more maybe it'll just strengthen why i don't like it or maybe i can dismiss a lot of the things i've said i, so I feel far. bad having an argument about it because i feel like i don't think the it's end- an argument that's just a discourse. oh no i mean yeah, yeah. discourse I just, I hate to feel like I'm lecturing because honestly, I don't think it's a movie where the intention was like, oh, someone needs to come up with a definitive analysis and explain this. Like, I think that if I were to see a YouTube video that's like, Green Knight ending explained, like I would lose my shit a little bit because I feel like (laughs) that defeats the whole artistic purpose of it. And I think that that's why I feel bad being like, oh, maybe in a second watch you should be more open to this or whatever, because that's not at all... Yeah. What I like, I I truly think if you if you don't enjoy this movie and like it, if you watch it and it's not for you, like that's perfectly acceptable. And right. I also think that that's something about making art in general and making choices like this yeah. is you know you're gonna alienate some yeah. people. 
Um, and I don't know that if the reasons that I like the movie are what he wanted people to like mm-hmm. the movie for it, but I think that's why I admire it so much more is that mm-hmm. it's so open-ended that people, and yet so tied to like the script of medieval legend, yeah. you know, that you simultaneously have a pretty great adaptation of the events of this ancient poem and also an experience that people will either, you know, like or dislike. And it might be, you know, uh, a film you return to, or it might be a movie that you throw in the trash bin and say like, Oh, fuck a 24. They've done it, you know, (laughs) too many times. And I think either reaction is completely fair. Right. Because I'm I, I truly think like this is not a movie that you can just tell someone like, you need to like this. Yeah. For sure. I get it. Yeah. I, I think um which I love movies where you can like interpret it uh in your own way, which I'm gonna bring this full circle. It's one of the reasons I love Shyamalan movies so much. Yeah. You know, like you there's there's always gonna be conversations to be had about his movies and like I feel like this movie, The Green Knight, is one the conversations could go on and on because it is really dense with, you know, like themes and like interpretations and stuff. And like, I, I, we didn't, I mean, we, I guess we just scratched the surface really. There's a bunch of other things I'm thinking about in the movie. Um, but definitely, um, I think the, the ending is, is really, it's interesting you say that because now when I watch it again, I'm going to bear that in mind. But that, I mean, the first time I watched it, I, I thought, I mean, that has to be what it means, like right? Like he just like it to me. I was like, this dude's about to cut his head off, I, and then it just ended with a little like a ding and the title card. And I thought, I was like, okay, really wild stuff there. Um, I, I don't know. Like I think I'll have to bear that in mind when rewatching, because I mean that's your interpretation of that totally wouldn't have thought of that in a million years, because to me that was it was so obvious that he was about to kill him in my opinion like i'm so yeah i'm just interested that you uh, said that i don't know and maybe maybe that's the optimist optimist in me that's yeah like oh well he's learned everything <laughs> yeah that he could learn from the situation he's he's off the hook but like i don't know the, the the tone that's the thing is like i guess depending on what mindset you go into this movie with and also like your own personal feelings kind of shape the experience. Like mm-hmm. the the only thing that I can think to compare it to right now, which is going to sound really pretentious is like, you know, when people direct Hamlet, like you oh, have yeah. a fucking dense script right there yeah. and like a lot of different themes you could lean into. Mm-hmm. And so I think each time I watch Hamlet, I, it kind of feels like it's something different. And also to my credit, each production of Hamlet is going to shove something down your throat differently. Like some are really going to lean into like the, the father and son angle, like the, what do you owe your dad? For you sure. know? Or like, what do you owe a parent? Um, and some are going to lean into like, oh, fuck death is like crazy, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Shit. Um, and when I was watching the green Knight, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking about. I was thinking about my mortality, which I, you know, sometimes do. I, I, I kind of, and that sounds fucking freaky or, or like pretentious, but like, I don't know, we're all going to die one no, day. Yeah, and it, I, it, it freaks yeah. me out in different periods of my life. Yeah, and when yeah. I was watching the movie, I was like, Ooh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> shit, yeah. you know, like a year gone too quick when that subtitle came up. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, I totally get it. Like my life feels like it's flying by all the time. Right, like right, I, yeah. I, I exited college almost 
a year and a half ago. Yeah. And like I don't I don't know any more what I'm doing than I did now. And yeah, I mean yeah. COVID nineteen has come and fucked a lot of shit up. Yeah. But like truly I feel like aimless like Sir Gwaine feels. And so, you know, as I took the movie with me back to my home, it kind of became a movie about like, you know, what is your purpose? What is finding yourself? What does that look like? And I and I admired it through that lens. But who's to say the next time I watch it, what fucking mindset I'm in yeah. might morph it again into something else? Like, what's it, what's it like to get mad fucking puss puss from <laughs> Joel Edgerton's <laughs> wife? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> Is my what? mom kind of into me or what? Or what, bro? Dude. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I Speaking of like thinking about your own mortality, I will think of my own mortality in the watching the weirdest fucking shit. Like it, it could be it could be something completely uh, you know unrelated to the subject matter like, you know, when you watch a movie like The Green Knight, that may be what the filmmakers are going for you for you to think about. I'm like, "Nah, man, I'm over here watching fucking Incredibles." And I'm like, damn, I'm going to die one day. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I, <laughs> I think about that in a, in different senses, but um, for sure. Um, Dude, you're we, totally going to die one day. We yeah. we are all going to die one day, bro. We're going to die sooner if we don't no get cap, COVID under bro. control. No, no cap. cap. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're an hour and one minute into this fucking thing. Um, so I, I, I guess that uh, our topic might have to wait till next week. Yeah. But uh, well, was, this was a pretty girthy topic, yeah, too, I guess. it was. I can totally reshape this episode now, which is going to be fun. Um, but it does give us... It does give us... I, I actually... I want to do a study here. Um, we're done with spoilers for The Green Knight, so don't worry. Uh, yeah. But... We had this topic in mind talking about uh, piracy and torrenting films, and um, I did a whole essay slash speech over it a couple of years ago in college. And uh, as a as a torrenter, a former torrenter myself, uh, I'm curious. I'm gonna let's. Uh, I'll I'll make a tweet about it, and but y'all sound off in the comments as well. Um, have you ever torrented a movie before? Have you ever watched a movie or downloaded something illegally? Um, and if so, what are your ethics and morals on it? Because it's definitely a, a moral thing more than anything is, um, as we see the, the, the theater box office uh, mm-hmm. kind of that, you know, and streaming services kind of reshaping how the movie industry gets its money, especially theaters. Um, so I'm curious to know about that. We're going to talk about that next week, hopefully. Uh, and that's I, I'm really excited for that. That's always a fun topic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if Isaac, anything to add? Um, not this week, other than, uh, maybe just throwing a quick shout out to, uh, to Rick and Morty for, uh, for still being pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just episode six yeah. and seven. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I, I don't even need to talk spoilers on it. I like, don't either. Like, they were feels just... like we're back on track. I, I agree. I agree. Can't wait for episode eight. Um, hopefully the episode eight is going to be the uh, anthology episode they have every season. Yeah, yeah. Um, it usually is, right? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it varies between six, episode six and seven. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking eight this season is yeah. probably going to be eight. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that. <clears throat> um and yeah y'all go see the green knight tell us what you thought so i'll also i will put out a tweet about the green knight we'll have a little discussion there as well um and yeah y'all y'all be safe out there uh because covid is really bad in arkansas if you don't live in arkansas then uh, maybe you don't have anything to worry about but shit's getting real uh, here you, you, again you, I, uh, uh, yeah. anywhere you live in the world anywhere you, live you know in the world. be careful yeah be <laughs> yeah. careful. true 
but uh, yeah. All right. Well, I've been Casey. I've also been Casey. I am Casey Prime. And this is Mind Over Casey. Casey, 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 Casey. Casey, 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 Casey. Casey. <laughs> I am Casey. And I I actually really like The Green Knight on a second rewatch. Like, we're going to get into it for about an hour now, so just bear with me. There's definitely not any, any end credits uh, fading my voice out right now. So, yeah, this is going to be a really good review. Um, I like balls, too, and...